This is 16-time world heavyweight champ, the nature boy, Rick Flair. And you're listening to Enter the Nerd Zone, greatest podcast out there. Woo! Led to you by my man, Jay, honorary member of the Four Horsemen. Just like me, he's a limousine riding, airplane flying, wheeling, dealing, kiss stealing, son of a gun. Woo! And you take a good listen, because like it or not, this is the best podcast going round, Jack. Woo! All right. Uh, in case you couldn't tell by my very horrible celebrity impression, today's podcast is about the nature boy, Ric Flair. Uh, a lot of you out there are probably wondering, hey, Jay, this is a nerd podcast. Why are you talking about wrestling? Because wrestling is nerdy. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, guys. Uh, back in the day, uh, early, mid-80s, even late-80s, it was not cool to talk about wrestling. Uh, you know, I couldn't talk to, uh, you know, I just couldn't talk in public in general about, like, comic books, uh, you know, animated movies, cartoons, uh, and wrestling, you know. So, yeah, wrestling back in the day was nerdy and geeky. It was considered for kids. And uh, that's why it's on this podcast. And uh, if you read the description of the podcast, I do say wrestling. There you go. All right. So uh, before we get into it, uh, in case you didn't hear my last episode um, explaining why the name changed to the podcast, uh, I'll just say it real briefly. I'm looking to get this podcast on iTunes. And uh, there was already an I- uh, a podcast on iTunes called dial in for nerd so i don't want to battle it out with anybody and i simply changed it uh they were there first uh i did my research this time and entered the nerd zone it's all mine all righty uh second shout out uh i've done it multiple times i'm going to do it again i'm going to give a shout out to my friends alan and john over at nerd in me uh that's their podcast. You can find it here on Anchor. You can also find it on iTunes, where I hope to be very shortly. Uh, and the reason I'm doing a podcast today on the Nature Boy Ric Flair is uh, because of my friend John over there at Nerd and Me. Uh, three of us were kind of messaging back and forth, uh, talking about a few things, and he said to me, Hey, Jay, did you catch that ESPN 30 for 30 on Ric Flair? And I was like, John, are you kidding me? Uh, I've seen it about four or five times already, because uh, he knows that A, I'm a huge wrestling fan, and B, I was a huge fan of Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen. Uh, yeah, Ric Flair, Ric Flair is my spirit animal. Uh, Ric Flair was my favorite, was and is my favorite wrestler of all time. And really, that's what this podcast is going to be about today. Uh, I will reference the uh, 30 for 30 that ESPN did, but mostly I'm just going to pretty much gush, gush about the uh, greatest heavyweight champ, the greatest wrestler that ever lived, Nature Boy Ric Flair. Um, if you haven't seen uh, the ESPN 30 for 30 on Ric Flair, watch it. It's great. Um, you know, I think what I really enjoyed about it the most is, you know, they, they talk to guys in the business. Uh, and I think one of the most startling things that I had heard was a very humble Hulk Hogan pretty much saying like, yeah, people tell me uh, I'm the guy that started the wrestling boom. He's, you know, and Hogan's like, you know, no, 
this guy over here, you know, it, it, it's Ric Flair because, you know, he will admit that, you know, Hogan will say like, yeah, look, man, I had charisma, which, you know, yeah, I don't doubt it. You know, I, I won't knock it. You know, Hulk Hogan did have a lot of charisma. Flair had just as much, if not more charisma, and he had the ability in the ring, uh, which is Hulk, which Hogan said. Hogan said, like, I was very limited in the ring, you know, and anybody just watched him wrestle, you know, you could tell that. Even, even back in his heyday, you know, when he was in top physical shape, I mean, he was, he was a big brawler. You know, he was a big, strong guy. He had very limited moves. And, uh, you know, he'll say it. He's like, you know, my charisma sold it. But Flair's charisma and his athletic ability, that's what sold it. That's why he's the man. Yeah, and that's why Ric Flair is the man. You know, Hogan himself said it. Sorry for the little pause there. This recording five minutes at a time throws me off sometimes. So if there's uh, some pauses like that, please don't turn it off. Next chapter is coming, I promise. So let me take you guys back. Let me take you back in my way back machine here, back to fabulous year of 1984. Uh, I was 13 years old, and I was a wrestling fan. I had been a wrestling fan for a year or two. Um and because I lived in the New York area, I still live in the New York area, uh, I was in Vince McMahon's territory, the WWE, or back then as it was called, the WWF, uh, World Wildlife Fund, please don't sue me. Um, and, you know, that was my exposure to wrestling. And I knew nothing about wrestling territories. Uh, like, to me, okay, this is wrestling. This is all there is, you know, what I see here on WWF uh, programs. And, you know, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, you had, you had heavyweight champ Hulk Hogan. You had Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah! Another horrible impression there. Sorry, guys. I'll keep them to a minimum. Um, you know, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Tito Santana, the Junkyard Dog. Uh, you know, you had the Heart Foundation. You know, I mean, these guys were really talented. They were very entertaining. And... I don't want to really digress away, you know, from Ric Flair, but just, you know, I'll probably do this in a separate podcast. But I think one of the high points for me in watching the WWF back then was uh, seeing Bobby the Brain Heenan. Uh, he was a manager. He was a commentator. And uh, to me, he was one of the funniest men uh, I had ever seen then and now. Uh, R.I.P. Bobby Heenan. Uh, when I heard that he had passed away a few months back, I was very sad. Um, because he was a big part of my wrestling life. Uh, he, very quick wit, one-liners. Uh, but again, let's save that one for a different podcast. We're talking about Ric Flair today. So, 1984, I'm 13 years old. And the whole cartoony image of the WWF is really starting to wear thin on me. Because that's really what they were back then. From the mid-80s, really up until almost the Attitude Era in the mid to late 90s, you know, you had a wrestling prison guard and the big boss man, a wrestling Mountie, a wrestling garbage man. You know, you had all these characters and I'm like, okay, I'm not 10 years old anymore. You know, I'm a rough and tough 13 year old, you know, I don't want to see this anymore. So I would still watch it, but I would be a little like, I would be very jaded on it. And I will never forget. I, I don't remember the exact date. <laughs> I mean, come on, but uh, I just remember flipping the channels, turning on uh superstation TBS, Saturday night, 6.05 p.m. I mean, uh, that is ingrained in my mind. 6.05 p.m., Saturday night, TBS. 
and I found a program called World Championship Wrestling. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, the WCW, World Championship Wrestling, started out as uh, it was a territory in what was known as the National Wrestling Alliance. And I'm just going to give a real brief history here on wrestling, and it's not an exact history. Uh, if I say some things wrong, don't flip out on me. Please call in and just kind of like let me know what I messed up on. But again, I'm going off of my, you know, my knowledge here in my YouTube slash Wikipedia research. Um, you know, wrestling was a big, you know, it was territorial. And the National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA, oversaw all the territories except for the WWF. Um, just real quick, uh, Vince McMahon Sr., uh, the current Vince McMahon's father, Vince McMahon Sr., uh, he ran the WWF, and he broke away from the National Wrestling Alliance. He's like, I'm taking over the Northeast, or he controlled the Northeast, sorry. He's like, I'm doing my own thing. I'm going to have my own champion. The heck with you guys. So what I was seeing on the show called World Championship Wrestling was actually a promoter by the name of Jim Crockett. Uh, he owned the territory. He owned the Mid-Atlantic Territory. I believe he also owned Georgia Championship Wrestling and I think Florida Championship Wrestling. I'm not 100% sure. Don't quote me on that. But uh, that's what we were watching. We were watching his territory. And, you know, I just remember flipping it on, starting to watch it. Uh, and if anybody else kind of remembers, like, the original World Championship Wrestling television show, not... WCW, you know, the wrestling uh, promotion, but World Championship Wrestling, it took place in this little studio. It was like there was a ring, there was an interview area, there were some bleachers with maybe 20 to 30 people in it. And it was absolutely amazing. Uh, you had guys like Dusty Rhodes. You had the Road Warriors. You had a guy by the name of Magnum TA who Fortunately, you know, a year or so after I started watching, was involved in a horrible car accident. Uh, he was never able to wrestle again, which was a shame. He had a lot of charisma. He had a lot of talent. Um, Raging Bull Manny Fernandez was there. Ravishing Rick Rude, that's where he got his start. He got his start on the old, back in the NWA. Uh, and their heavyweight champion was a man by the name of Ric Flair. And he was the ultimate heel. He was this guy that came out. He, w he was Muhammad Ali because he came out. He told you he was the champ. He told you he was the greatest. Uh, always coming out in a suit, you know, uh, famously, you know, I got a $1,500 Rolex. I got a pair of shoes on that cost me more than what you guys make in a month. You know, I mean, he was, he was the guy like, you hated him. And you love to hate him. And secretly, you wanted to be him because he was always surrounded by beautiful women. He was in the limousine. You know, they would do these little uh, vignettes. You would see him getting off of private jets, getting into limousines. There's women. There's champagne. You know, he's got the watch. He's got the suit. And he's got his buddies, the Four Horsemen. You know, and the Four Horsemen, the original Four Horsemen, when I started watching, it was Ric Flair, Tully Blanchard, Ole and Arn Anderson. Um you know, later on, after uh, Ole Anderson left, you know, there were many different people. There were many different uh, versions of the Four Horsemen. But to me, that original four, led by the great James J. Dillon, uh, just absolutely fabulous. Because, again, you know, they, they, they were the first faction to me. You know, people talk about 
the NWO, and the NWO was an amazing concept. Don't get me wrong. I am not knocking the NWO because that really turned wrestling on its ear until it just got big and bloated and, and absolutely ridiculous. You know, Degeneration X, absolutely amazing. You know, same thing, but those guys wouldn't be around. There would be no DX. There would be no um, NWO. There would be no Nation of Domination if not for the Four Horsemen. Um, and, yeah, they were they, – they, all of them, all of them had belts. You know, Rick was the heavyweight champ. Uh, Tully was the, the national heavyweight champion. Arn was the TV champion. Uh, a lot of times, Ole and Arn were the tag team champions. It's like they had all the titles. They're the bad guys. They have all the titles. And they would come out and they would tell you, we got all the titles and you ain't getting them. You know, and we got all the money. We got all the women. You know, again, you hated these guys, but you loved them. I, and I'll, I mean, I'll never forget watching that show. Again, you know, it's in this little studio. Flair comes out. He's got his suit on. He's got his sunglasses on. He's talking about whoever he's facing next, just totally disrespecting him, flashing his watch, flashing his shoes, you know, you know, blondes all around him. And I used to love it. They would cut to the they would cut to the crowd, and there would be like these two, three, sometimes four guys there, dressed exactly like Flair. They'd be in their suits. They'd have their aviators on, and they would say like hold signs saying like honorary uh, horsemen. They'd be flashing the four fingers, and I was like, damn, I want to be there. I want to be in Atlanta, Georgia, in that studio, thirteen year old, fourteen year old me. I, you know, in, in a suit. I wanted to be a horseman. Um, and, you know, that's, that's really why Ric Flair, to me, was one of the greatest, you know, wrestling personalities ever. Um, you, you know, and what you learn in the 30 for 30 is, you know, it was a character, but not really. Like, he lived it. Like he said, he, he lived it. And he was a party animal. And one of my favorite sort of scenes from the 30 for 30 uh, is, you know, he's talking about how he went to the sports psychologist. Uh, probably uh, early 90s, didn't say why he went, just said, and they were asking about his drinking. And they basically deduced that, you know, the guy drank every single day 10 beers, uh, you know, 10, 15 shots, a couple of mixed drinks, day in and day out, every day for the last, you know, like the guy said, he's like, how long have you been doing this? He's like, I've been doing it since 72. This is what, 90? Do the math. You know, he said the sports psychologist was like, man, you shouldn't be alive. And he's like, well, tell me about it, but here I am. You know, and of course, you know, now he, 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 he regrets it. Uh, it took it away from his family and everything. But, you know, he, he was the nature boy. You know, he lived it in and out of the ring. Absolutely. And, you know, because of that, like I said, because of that personality that he had, that, you know, that heel that you just love to hate, that you wanted to see get beat. You wanted to see guys beat him. You wanted to see Dusty Rhodes take the title from him. You know, when uh, Ron Garvin won the heavyweight title for from him, it was amazing. When Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, who back in the day I thought, oh, he started in the WWF. He actually started in Mid-Atlantic, then went up north to uh, Vince McMahon Jr. to the WWF, had a great run there. He came back down into the territory. He actually won the title from Flair, um, and I remember, I think it was like a Starcade or a Great American Bash, and uh, it was like a best two out of three falls match. It was it was an hour long, which that's the other thing Ric Flair was famous for, and the other thing that Hulk Hogan will tell you. You know, Hulk Hogan will say, 
you know, night in and night out, this guy had one-hour matches that he would win by the skin of his teeth. Because the thing about Flair was, you know, he was the champ. He, you know, he, he could have pulled a Hogan. He could have come out there, you know, punch, 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 kick, kick, kick. Uh-oh, bad guy's got him in his submission hold or put his finisher on him. The uh, crowd gets wild. He waves the finger, punch, 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 drops the leg, and he wins. You know, Hogan would just he, – Hogan would pretty much squash people. Flair – would put people over. And for those that aren't in the know, you know, if you're uh, what we call a mark, you know, putting somebody over is basically, you know, you take somebody who's maybe not well-known or, you know, not as popular as you are, which, uh, except for maybe, you know, some of the top guys like Dusty Rhodes, you know, anybody that went up against Ric Flair, you know, pretty much, you know, was an unknown or just wasn't as good or as popular as, as Ric Flair was. He would put you over. In other words, what that means is he would win, but he'd make you look good. You know, uh, watch his matches. You'll see that when, even if somebody puts him in a headlock, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat puts him in a headlock, Flair's screaming like his head's going to come off. You know, you hit him with a chop, you know, he, 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 he would yell. You know, and then, of course, you know, Flair had those amazing chops, you know, and... um the other great thing about Ric Flair is he worked, uh, you know, please don't take this the wrong way. He worked stiff. And what that means basically is, you know, he didn't really pull punches. You know, he'd hit you and he'd want you to hit him back. Like he, he wanted people to really believe that he was getting his ass kicked. He was kicking somebody's ass. You know, he, he really put himself out there. And I think that's what made him great is you would watch his matches. I remember watching, I think it was the first uh, Clash of Champions, the first Clash of Champions. Uh, it was in Washington, D.C., and it was Ric Flair versus Sting. And, you know, Sting, who was interviewed uh, for the 30 for 30, said, you know, he put me over. You know, uh, he said, like, we would do a test of strength, you know, where you lace up the fingers, and he's like, he's screaming, like, like, like I'm killing him here. You know, and uh, there was even one point, you know, like I said, aside from the figure four leg lock, you know, his, his open hand chops, Ric Flair was famous for them um that's why now you know if you watch any wrestling event and uh one guy's got the other guy in the corner starts chopping him you know the crowd will go woo you know that's rick flair right there um you know he said you know he said uh you know sting said that flair told him you know you know i'm gonna hit you with a couple of chops but third or fourth chop you know like don't sell it. Like, like, make it look like, like you're invincible, you know? And that's what Flair would do. I, you know, so many times you would see Flair on his knees begging for mercy, tossed out of the ring. This is the heavyweight champ. Like I said, he could, he, he could have come in there, squashed these guys, win the match, and leave. And that's the thing. In that match with Sting, uh, he won. But Sting looked amazing. Like, you, any second you thought Sting is going to beat him, finally somebody's going to beat Ric Flair. Uh, and, and, I mean, that's why he was – you know, that's why he was the man. And that's why, you know, I say he's, he's probably, uh, no, no, not, not probably. He is the greatest wrestler, wrestling personality, past, present, future. Uh, you know, you look at guys in the business, it's because of flair. I mean, yeah, Hogan made it a national phenomenon, no doubt about it. But I think flair, Ric Flair influenced so many young wrestlers that, like Hogan said, Hogan said, you know, he's the man. I'm not the man. He's the man. And uh, I totally agree 
100%. So, I mean, I think you guys get the impression of, of how much I love Ric Flair, you know, as a wrestler. And, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think I'm done. I'm going to wrap it up. So, Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for uh, putting up with the name change in the podcast. Like I said, uh, going forward, it will be known as Enter the Nerd Zone. Lots of nerdy topics, as you could tell. Uh, you know, first episode, I discussed uh, Marvel TV's Runaways uh, today, talking about Ric Flair. What's coming next? Um, yeah, got some surprises coming up for you guys. Uh, stay tuned for that. Um I will just say this, uh, you know, if you uh, watch any of the CW shows, the Arrowverse, they're big on crossovers. Hint, 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 wink, wink, wink. Uh, is there a crossover coming over? You know, uh, our nerd universe is going to collide. Uh, are we going to get sort of uh, an amalgam comics here? Uh, back in the day when uh, DC and Marvel, when the universes collided, we got amalgam comics. Are we going to get an amalgam podcast? Is there a nerd podcast out there that's uh, going to call in here or I will call into them? Stay tuned. So, once again, uh, I'm going to have, uh, nah, I'm not. I think I'm done with impressions. I was going to have Ric Flair take us out, but uh, I think you guys are tired of my really horrible uh, wrestling impressions. Uh, back in the day, I used to do it a lot better. Uh, I'll spare you guys. Uh, I, I want to keep. I want to keep my tens and tens of listeners. So uh, I'm just gonna give up, woo, like Ric Flair would do, and sign off. This is Jay, and I am leaving the nerd zone. Later. <laughs>